Hey, Real Talk podcast listener, is Alberta really entitled to more than half the funds in the Canada pension plan? How serious is the Alberta government about trying to withdraw those funds and establish a provincial plan? And what are the chances the whole thing could backfire? We talked to Alberta's finance minister, Nate Horner, who makes the case for an Alberta pension plan in this episode of Real Talk. This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Have you made up your mind on the plan for an Alberta pension plan? Like, do you live, if you live in Alberta, if you pay taxes in Alberta, if you work in Alberta and you've been paying even the tiniest little bit of attention, uh, to what the UCP government is putting in front of Albertans right now, have you formed your opinion? Uh, depending what orbit you're in, depending on what your friend circle looks like, you may have heard from people that are championing the idea, or you may have heard from people that are concerned or even adamantly against the idea. We've had guests on the show that have been talking about the reasons why they think it's a bad idea. Today, I expect we're going to hear some of the reasons why the government intends to move forward, at least to the point of polling Albertans and maybe, maybe moving toward a referendum. Alberta's Minister of Finance, Nate Horner, will join us in just 30 seconds, taking your questions and mine as we ask you today, you down with APP. Want to let you know that this episode is presented. I was really proud of that, John. I worked really hard on that one. Thanks very much. This episode is happening with the support of our friends at Business Career College. Wanted to let you know that right now, if you're looking for a rewarding and high-paying career without a university degree, you can get started as an insurance professional right now with Business Career College. You know, in Canada, insurance agents are starting around fifty-six grand a year. They can soon be earning right around ninety thousand annually. And all you need to do is take an approved course and pass your licensing exam. BCC offers industry-leading approved courses in life insurance, property and casualty insurance, and their expert instructors are passionate about helping you launch your new career. Right now, a great deal for real talkers. You can save 15% off any business career college insurance course with the code REALTALK. All one word, 15% off any insurance course at businesscareercollege.com. The Honorable Nate Horner is Alberta's Minister of Finance. He joins us live on this Thursday. Welcome to the show. Thanks for making time for us. Thank you, Ryan. Pleasure to be with you. You bet. Well, we'll talk about some of the pros and cons of an Alberta pension plan. How convinced are you that this is the right idea? Well, I'm totally convinced that it, it warrants Alberta's consideration. I think that, you know, if you saw my mandate letter from the Premier, it basically said to release a report and have a conversation with Albertans. You know, that's that's what I'm committed to. I think the report shows a lot of promise, obviously, for Alberta. And it, it shows the, um, you know, the potential impact of our overall economy that would be just a, a real game changer for the province, would have the capacity to help, you know, workers, businesses, and potentially, um, potentially those already receiving benefits. So I think it definitely... Warrants consideration. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I know that probably, you know, people are, are responding to this survey right now and, and pe- people can find it online. We'll we'll link to it uh, in the show notes here on the podcast on YouTube. They can have their say. I'm sure you haven't seen the the uh, curated results yet. But what are people telling you with with emails to your constituency office or what are people telling you on the street, if anything, about this? Well, I'd say that the 
emails that have been fairly targeted, a lot of chain emails uh, from the usual suspects that are, are mostly negative, I would say. But in the conversations I'm having, there's a lot of people that, you know, they're, they're interested. Uh, they want more information. They do, they do have questions. Uh, but they, they, they kind of want to, you know, un- unpeel the onion a little further, uh, get some more information. We're trying to get them to reach out to the engagement panel once they're fully operational on October 16th. And I hope the panel can kind of re- collect collect all of these concerns and questions, and uh, you know, tell us all the information that Albertans uh, need need to have firmed up in front of them. Is this the type of situation where if if, if the results are clear and if Albertans on mass are saying no to this, that this is something that the government will happily just walk away from? I mean, do you get the sense that it's it's a done deal either way with the government having made up his mind? Uh, no, the cake is definitely not baked here, Ryan. Um, if if it is if it is completely clear that Albertans aren't aren't interested in in this being pursued further, it it won't be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's our commitment is just to have the, have the conversation. And I think anyone that's even glanced at the report um, would want us to do that. You know, I I would hate to in my short time in this role, I would hate to uh, have not released the report and at least had this conversation, no matter how this goes. Uh, we put the opportunity out to our audience members to ask you a question, put questions in front of us. Tina wrote in. She said, I'd like to know why the questionnaire doesn't ask Albertans a simple question. Do you want an Alberta pension plan? She says, instead, all the questions seem calculated to present a done deal that the APP has already been settled. What would you say to Tina? Well, I would just say when we when we released the report, we did we did release the campaign with the report. And our hope was that. You know, we could use we could use the survey to learn more about what what you what you would be interested in if we were to pursue this. We never intended for the survey to be the referendum itself. Uh, click yes or no. We really felt that this warranted more engagement, and you're going to have to to dig in a little more before you just gave us your you know your first yes or no answer. So that that was always the intent. Um, I'm sure you saw the comments from Michael LaDuke. This was in a recent Don Braid column. He's uh, a spokesperson for CPP Investments, essentially managing the Canada pension plan. Um, and, and he was asked about the formula that this LifeWorks report comes up with. Essentially, I think Albertans are familiar with the numbers now, over $330 billion expected. The report expects that that would be Alberta's share. It's about 53% of the total assets of the CPC. He says that's no, a hard no. He says it's an invented formula. I mean, if, if, if people don't have confidence that these are the proper or accurate numbers we're talking about, isn't the entire process flawed or at least compromised? Well, I'd say it's, it's a complicated, uh, it's a complicated situation. And I, I don't want to speak ill of anyone. Uh, Michelle at CPPIB, he's been great. I've met with them multiple times. Um, they certainly didn't tell us that uh, they felt the formula was invented when I met with them and we presented them with a, uh, you know, an embargoed copy of the report, tried to do do our best to be very professional about this. Um, but I would say, obviously, they are trying to uh, uh, put their thumb on the scale. You know, there's no no doubt they've been advertising in Alberta about the, you know, CPP since the report was commissioned. So all, all that being said, um, the report is not invented. The report, the, pardon me, the formula is not invented. It's, it's in the CPP um, Act. Um, there is there is different interpretations out there. You know, we when we wanted to commission this report, um, we put out an RFP 
Um, Morneau Chappelle won the original bid. They're very uh, renowned in actuarial and, uh, and pension analysis services across Canada. They did become uh, LifeWorks uh, while they were doing their uh, building the report. Um, but yeah, these, this isn't our this isn't our calculation. We reached out for the the best in the business, and this is what they came back with. And we've had it vetted by uh, multiple uh, legal legal multiple legal opinions that uh, you know believe that they followed the correct methodology and believe their interpretations are sound. So, so minister, going- so you're confident that that fifty three percent? You're confident that about three hundred thirty billion dollars is is the accurate number? That that would be what Alberta would be withdrawing from the fund? Well, I think even in the report shows that there's a, a range. They can just go off the best publicly available data that they have. So I think the report showed from 260 to 360. But with within that range, certainly. Hmm. Um, we talk about the pros. I mean, it looks like, you know, the, the government or at least the messaging around this campaign is is lower premiums for Albertans and higher payout. And uh, who wouldn't love that? Can we, for a second, talk about the cons? I mean, are there are there are there things on your radar? Are there impacts potentially Alberta's relationship with the rest of Canada? Potentially, what it might do to the CPP? I mean, if you look at this fairly with a pros and cons list, what might be one con? Oh, I'd say um, you know, there's there's risks with anything for sure. Um, this would be a big, complicated change, um, so it would it would take time and it would take take effort. Um, I would say, obviously, it would be impactful to CPP, you know, post an APP um, asset withdrawal of the size that the report um, outlines, it, it would mean that CPP uh, would change, um, you know, not not nearly as dramatically as, as it would change for an APP, but it would mean that the minimum contribution rate uh, for CPP would go up by about $175 or $170 uh, for every uh, employee um, and employer. And the other side of that coin is the up to $1,425 uh, difference in, a, in Alberta, the other direction. So obviously, you know, I, I reached out the night before the report was released. I spoke to um, every finance, provincial finance minister that, uh, that we could get a hold of. I was able to speak to most of them. Um, they definitely, you know, they they have concerns. They would they would love Alberta to to stay in CPP. They obviously see the benefit for for their people. Um, so that uh, that definitely that definitely is is real that there will be conversations had across the country. Um, but you know, right now I'm focused on the conversation with sure. with Alberta. First. Was was there any provincial finance minister that said, "Right on, go get them, do it"? <laughs> well. Uh, Quebec, maybe, but I wouldn't go that far. But he, they did, they did say that they're proud of their pension plan. When I spoke to Quebec, um, you know, I mentioned that uh, well, your your contribution rates slightly higher than uh, than CPP, and and he's they they said well, you know, they they kind of have a dual mandate too. They're doing uh, all they're investing and, and managing the assets, but they're also building our infrastructure and doing economic development 
within Quebec and they thought that had value for their people. So, yeah, that's, and you know what, that's my last question for you, minister. I appreciate your time. Um, This one's from Charlene. Uh, She says, please ask minister Horner the following. She says, because my risk tolerance is very low. She says, I have all my RSPs in GICs because I need the stability of knowing my principles safe. She says the CPP gives me a guaranteed monthly amount with an annual cost of living increase. What reason would I have to move my pension from that kind of stability to one that will hold risk that may be beyond my tolerance profile. We heard from Trevor Toome uh, a short while ago, the economist about Quebec's pension plan and how they've utilized those funds. And you just touched on it. Um, you know, there are some concerns or some speculation that an APP might be used to more heavily invest in industry in Alberta. It seems like an obvious conclusion. We'd have to wait and see. For some people, they see that as Alberta dumping money into an industry that that has a phase out timeline. What would you tell people that are concerned that that might be how their nest egg or their pension funds might be used? Well, I've I've heard those things mused about, but honestly, I, I think that's um, really far from any direction anyone would want to head. We're going to bring legislation forward this fall that'll basically just clearly outline that the only way we'll proceed with a with the pension is um, after a referendum, if it can uh, keep benefits the same or increase them, if it can keep contribution rates the same or decrease them and that any assets used would only be used for a pension plan. So we, we want to make sure that everyone knows that we're not, um, we don't believe in going down the, the model that Quebec has. We want everyone to know clearly that this will be for the operation of a pension plan. I'd say when it comes to risk around the investment itself, um, you know, that's something I think that the engagement panel will hear a lot about. And there's absolutely nothing that would prevent Alberta from continuing to ask CPPIB to be the investment manager. Um, and if we are to go down this path in the early days, that may make a lot of sense. But regardless, whoever would be investing this on behalf of Albertans, it'll have to have um, a complete um, global investment profile. There's no way that you can manage manage risks and have certainty in, in pension plans. No one around the world does this without a complete a global profile so yeah. no one has to worry about it just being invested uh, don't, here don't you think cpp would tell us to pound sand if we pulled out and then ask them to manage the fund oh i definitely do not think so i think it would keep not only their economies of scale but it would uh it would make it a lot easier to instead of having to physically unwind some of these assets they can keep the asset pool together and basically just split the balance sheets. I think they would like that very much. Minister, we really appreciate your time and thanks for doing the interview. Sure. No, appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. You got it. That's Alberta's Minister of Finance, the Honorable Nate Horner. Uh, So the argument for, although it kind of struck me as measured, pretty measured, uh, wasn't coming in and banging the drum, Hmm. um, you know, saying we're at this point, we're hearing from Albertans, but he does tell us, as you just heard, uh, that they do have confidence in those numbers, that 53%. Some people are cynical about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear from some of the experts that it's probably closer to 20% of of uh, the Canada pension plan. I, I referenced that uh, conversation we had with Dr. Trevor Toome, the economist out of the University of Calgary, widely respected. That was on our October 3rd episode. Uh, you can find that on our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts Um, Just look for the episode titled Brilliant or Boneheaded. How do you feel about Daniel Smith's Alberta pension plan? And you can Mm. let us know what you think to talk 
at ryanjesperson.com. Again, that was the October 3rd episode, and then today with the Honorable Nate Horner. Brilliant or boneheaded? That's the two words uh, my mother describes me as usually. Yeah. Either one or the other. You, you want to err on the side of brilliant more than boneheaded. <laughs> but uh, and we didn't really give, and, and, and the conversation is probably more nuanced than that. Uh, if it we're is. asking you, is it brilliant or is it boneheaded? You go, well, well maybe it's somewhere in the middle. Um, there are a lot of people that will find the argument that the minister just made, the argument that the premier is making, mm-hmm. the argument that the report essentially makes. Uh, they'll find that compelling. If you live here in Alberta, in our home province, uh, would you like to pay less and get more out of your pension? Well, obviously, yes, I would. But then people also have concerns. I'll be curious to see at the end of the day, like he basically said, if Albertans tell us they want nothing to do with this, we'll drop it like a hot potato. Mm-hmm. But why isn't the question on the website then? Like the first well, question should be, do you think this is a good idea or not? Or would you be interested in this or not? Yes or no, right? Yeah, it, it, it kind of goes into it. It asks you know, people's questions like, you know, if Alberta switches to an APP, how should the savings be used? Mm. Uh, we could click through this if we wanted to. Take a look. Uh, this might be kind of interesting. Let me say, uh, do we want to go with to increase pension benefits for seniors? That's a tough one to say no to. Uh, to decrease payroll contribution rates for Alberta workers. Um, I don't know if that's the number one concern right now. Is it to decrease contributions? I don't think so. Uh, to, how about to decrease payroll contributions and increase benefits? Well, hey, yeah. Like, do you, do you want dinner and dessert? Yes. So I'm going to go with that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. We'll click ahead. We'll see what that gives us. Okay. Well, as you indicated in favor of increasing, what would you like to take? What form would you like that to take? A higher monthly benefit check? A one-time bonus when you retire? I don't know or other. You know, I, I'll say I don't know. But again, like the, the point that uh, that um, Tina was making in her question here, it, there isn't the question. There isn't right out of the gates at the outset of the survey online. It doesn't ask brilliant or boneheaded. <laughs> no, it's like we do. You know, I wonder if we could get a government contract to, to maybe do some polling. Right. I'm not sure the credibility would be there. You know, because we we always present our unofficial, unscientific Twitter polls Mm -hmm. and we present them as such. Uh, But you'll remember, you know, we had about 2000 people respond to our unofficial, unscientific Twitter poll about an Alberta pension plan a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, again, here's where it gets unscientific. Uh, You know, it's on Twitter, number one. Number two, (laughs) we're asking just Albertans to participate. But who even knows? Right. So you got to take this stuff with a grain of salt. But. We asked Albertans, do you like the idea? Do you not like the idea? 82% of people. uh, And we asked, are you initially against it or initially in favor of it or undecided? We didn't didn't get too crazy on it, uh, but 82% said they were initially against the idea. So if four out of five people, Mm -hmm. now that's probably not the provincial average. I I bet you the provincial average is, 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 I don't know if it's 50-50, but there's probably... You know, a significant number of the population, a significant chunk that that would be down with this idea. And there's probably a significant chunk that's not. I bet it also depends on where you are in your career. A hundred percent. Like I when you say, would you like to pay less and get more out of your pension? I, as someone who isn't thinking about my pension and retirement yet, think, yeah, that's a great idea. But somebody who is like going to retire in a couple years is probably like, please don't mess with anything. My everything is. I see my numbers. I know what I'm going to get, and now you're going to flip everything on its head, right? Yeah, yeah. A uh, lot of comments on the live chat, and we appreciate your engagement there as well. Uh, Muddy Otters Pottery says an unclear questionnaire should be the first red flag that it's a sketchy proposition. 
Um, I don't know if it's an unclear questionnaire. It's just the questionnaire is not containing a pretty basic question that a lot of people want to have there. And that is, do you want this or not? Uh, But the minister also just said, he said, the questionnaire is not intended to be the referendum. The questionnaire is intended to get a sense of what people might want an APP to look like. But I see where you're coming from. I mean, the question, I, I do think that the survey may have more credibility if question number one is, are you for or against? Mm-hmm. Uh, just to give the, send a, a pretty clear message to the government. Because if I'm not down with an idea, and then you ask me a bunch of questions about what the thing should look like, yeah, that I don't want. <laughs> yeah. You know, if Johnny and his I don't beautiful, want apple pie. Well, if you had apple yeah. pie, would you have whipped cream on it? Johnny, would you have Johnny it and his up? bride go out for dinner and they offer you the prime rib. Yeah. And, and you tell us you're plant based. And then we say, would you like it medium rare yeah. or medium or. Yeah. <laughs> would you like just, it with onions and mushrooms? Yeah. or would, No, like we don't eat meat. Yeah. The other thing that scares me a bit is. A couple of questions you asked him. He said, well, it's very complicated. It's very complicated. We keep hearing this word. Well, it's the formula. Yeah, it's going to be very complicated. And switching over is very complicated. That doesn't put a whole lot of like trust. But uh, well, but of course it would be because you have to, you know, Alberta is looking to get the most it can. I mean, we're talking about the hypothetical circumstance that this moves forward. And my call, if I have to make a prediction here, uh, my call is that this does not even make it to a referendum. Mm. Uh, And if it does make it to a referendum, my guess is that it would not pass. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that at the end of the day, I don't think that an Alberta pension plan is going to happen. But then again, you know, crazier things, crazier things have happened. And I agree. I don't think it's going to happen either. But you never know in this, this crazy province of ours what is there's going to be gonna happen. There, there's a lot of other priorities right now. Um, you know, if we had more time with the minister, I would have asked him and, and we'll ask the premier next time that we, we have an opportunity to sit down with Danielle Smith about their tell the feds campaign. Uh, you've probably seen this at tell the The Alberta government is is advertising across the country. Um, asking, you know, including right in downtown Toronto with billboards and, 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 you know, other sort of promotional tools about Ottawa's proposed electricity regulations. You know, the Alberta government is saying these electricity regulations are going to make electricity unreliable and unaffordable. Uh, they say that the things that Canadians count on won't work when they're needed. At tellthefeds.ca, you can find out more about that. You click on Speak Up. And it gives you an opportunity to contact your MP. Hmm. Um, now, this is on behalf of essentially the, it doesn't have the government of Alberta splashed all over it. Uh, you'd, you'd have to kind of either know about it or do a little bit of digging to understand that this is the government of Alberta's ad campaign. But mm-hmm. you wonder if 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 these two conflict with one another. You know, on one hand, the province of Alberta is saying we want out of CPP. Uh, we're going to go at it ourselves. We believe we can get a better deal. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe that, you know, I mean, in, in more casual vernacular, we're getting screwed by the CPP formula. So we're going to go it alone. And then at the same time, asking Canadians to come together uh, for electricity prices, to, to talk to Ottawa, to talk to the feds. Uh, you know that the province of Alberta, the Alberta government is really pushing back on the federal government, in particular Environment Minister Stephen Gilbo's plan to get Alberta's electricity grid to net zero uh, over the next 10 years or so. And we've talked to the federal minister about this. We've talked to Minister Rebecca Schultz about this, uh, and and we've talked to others. Uh, The province of Alberta's take, the Alberta government's take on this is that this is a non-starter. It's impossible. They either need more time or different conditions because it just ain't going to happen. 
So Alberta's kind of planting its flag on that argument. So there's these two concurrent campaigns that are running right now, which are pretty interesting. And you wonder if the one might compromise the other. You can let us know what you think on that. It's uh, talk at ryanjesperson.com, our inbox, uh, where you can find us. Um, you know, I see a lot of people asking questions in the chat, like, is, is, is this a separatist government? Um, you know, th- I mean, there's not, there's not been talk about, uh, you know, legitimate, serious talk about Alberta separating from the premier's office, at least not in the last while, not since they won the election anyway. They certainly didn't campaign on that. But you look at moves like establishing an independent, you know, a provincial pension plan, talk about an Alberta police force, and people start to wonder, like, are these steps where we're inching towards something like that i think it's a bit uh, not not a full-on dog whistle but it's a bit it's a bit when you when you push agenda like this just a little you know those people who are kind of you know ottawa messes with alberta we could do better on our own of course they like this stuff right? yeah i will say that you know that ad campaign on that website electricity prices are already out of control so i don't know what they well and they're the worst <laughs> in alberta yeah right so we, we saw like, those numbers 128 percent year over yeah. year the rise in cost of electricity in alberta uh which is is like miles ahead of any other province well it says electricity is going to be unaffordable well newsflash it already is for a lot of people so. yeah Dwayne says i've formed my opinion already uh the government is not doing the right thing here um you know, I mean, yeah, people I mean, a lot of people are talking about gambling. Like Justin says, it, the Alberta pension plan seems like a horrible idea. Why was the report not released during the campaign? Um, we asked the premier about that when she was here. We asked what her plan was. She said, we're going to review the report, put it in front of caucus, put it in front of Albertans. And that is what they're doing right now. Sylvia says this is a waste of money chasing unicorns. Uh, meantime, Cactus Sheriff thinks this is happening. He says this is happening regardless. He says the government doesn't have a track record of listening to Albertans' opinions. Uh, I don't know about that, man. I think that uh, if a government knows that something would be incredibly unpopular and uh, knows that Albertans want nothing to do with it or knows that it would be a distraction or knows that it would be more costly than beneficial, I don't think that they would move forward with it just for a political survival standpoint. Uh, it just doesn't seem to make sense to me. I guess that's part of the reason why I don't think it's going anywhere. But but we'll see. We'll see. Tracy says it's the worst idea yet. Nick says they'll listen exactly how much they've listened on coal. And that's not just listen. That's just not limited to this government, is it? Yeah. Dwayne says if it's such a good idea, why is there a need to advertise it to make it look feasible? Shouldn't it go on its own merit? Yeah. Governments advertise everything all the time. Sylvia wonders why they're expanding resources on this track when there are so many more important things to do uh, rather than trying to fix something that's not broken. Uh, You know, the proponents for an Alberta pension plan would argue that it is broken, right? This is the common, this is like the refrain, the, the refrain that people have heard from Alberta or that Albertans have heard for many years, and that's Alberta is getting screwed. People think Alberta gets screwed on equalization. People think Alberta gets screwed on the Canada pension plan. And so that's probably why they're moving forward is because they do believe that it's broken. Justin says, I'm not convinced here. He says, let's talk about how this government's lying about Albertans paying more in than they've withdrawn. He says it's an individual thing, you know, but more Albertans retire elsewhere. Hmm, I wonder why. Uh, Justin's not wrong. If you and I work, live and work in Alberta through our career years and pay into you know we pay alberta provincial tax we pay our federal taxes yeah we pay into cpp and then we go move in our retirement years to mm-hmm. 
Kelowna or to Halifax or to wherever we go. Still there. You know, you're going to be drawing from the Canada Pension Plan mm-hmm. from outside Alberta when you paid into it in Alberta. And there have been good points made that are maybe obvious, but I think that they deserve to be reiterated. And that is that Alberta doesn't pay into the CPP. Albertans pay into the CPP. So workers pay into the CPP full stop. Might be obvious, but to some people it may not be. So, uh, you know, if you're, whether you're working in Vancouver or Edmonton, uh, you know, Leduc or Hamilton. Um, I think I'm doing really well coming up with like regional. I'm really trying to represent all the provinces <laughs> yeah. and all the jurisdictions in my hypothetical. Waterloo. Here. Waterloo. It's so fun to say. Saint John. Uh, then, you know, then you're paying in proportionate to what you're earning and to your maximum take. And, and ultimately, that's what you'll be drawing on as well. Uh, again, you can uh, send us a, a thought uh, to talk at ryanjesperson.com. We do have trash talk coming up tomorrow. And uh, that's an opportunity for you to blow off a little steam, say what needs to be said, and, uh, you know, basically sort of use our platform, use our blowtorch uh, to send a message to your fellow Albertans and and to the rest of, uh, you know, Canadians that will be listening to this. Um, We also, and I'm just going to dangle this, uh, John, I I know that um, we haven't discussed whether or not we're going to talk about this publicly quite yet, but I am going to drop a little hint right now. Uh, uh, We're not losing our tradition of providing our platform for people to blow a gasket, blow off steam, rant and rave. Oh, you mean trash talk? But this coming Friday oh. will be the last ever trash talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I we're, like it. We're keeping the tradition, but you won't hear it called trash talk after Don't, don't say another word. I'm not saying another word. Because now people are intrigued. I'm What's not, happening? I'm not saying you'll have to tune in to find out two Fridays from now. But you'll still have an opportunity to use our megaphone to say what you need to say. Mm-hmm. This episode is happening with the support of our friends at California Closets who want to remind you that they have custom closet and storage solutions for your entire home. Make the most of your space with their custom organizational systems. And I know that you may be thinking about your bedroom. You may be thinking about your workspace. Maybe you want to put a Murphy bed in there so you have a home office, but then guests come over and you can convert that space. All your living areas, the living room like us, an entertainment center. But what about your garage? California Closets is doing a ton of work in garages, the workhorse of the home. I mean, go to their website and and take a look at some of this stuff. The photo gallery, it's absolutely beautiful. My garage looked like this. I might just, you know, I'd probably just hang out in there more than I do you right do now. You do already. Know? I, I already do hang out in my garage a lot. But <laughs> this stuff like this. You might move in. Man, their garages. The garage done by California Closets is different than anybody else. You can also check out their client stories, the testimonials, californiaclosets.ca. Our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy are going to be at the Edmonton Home Show coming up. That starts on October 13th on Friday And they want to talk to you. If you have any questions about solar, maybe you're looking at getting it installed in your home, your business, your farm, check out their website here, kubienergy.ca. They've got professionals with decades of experience in renewable energy, and they can talk to you about the entire installation process from start to finish, right? They got to do the design. They'll do that through the winter months, most likely. And then in spring, they'll get your panels up. They want you to feel confident when you're making that switch. You know that almost 80% of renewable energy installation in Canada in 2022 came from Alberta? 80%? Unbelievable stuff. Right now, renewables are making up about 14% of Alberta's electricity profile. They're expecting that to increase to a third, to about 30% by 2030. You can find out more by checking out the blog link. There's lots of great resources there at Kubi Energy. 
www.mercerstudios.ca. And a shout out to the team that built our beautiful studio right here in the historic Mercer Warehouse. That's Complete Care Restoration. A lot of people know Complete Care Restoration for the work that they've done helping people get back on their feet from fire damage, flood damage. I mean, all the nightmare stuff. You know, you, you open up a wall, you think it's going to be a small project, and then you discover mold or asbestos. But the team at Complete Care also does construction and renovation projects, including in office buildings. A lot of property owners are reimagining their spaces due to COVID and back to work stuff. And well, you know, everything that's changed over the past few years. Complete Care Restoration can help you from the very beginning stages understand what a renovation or transformation project might look like. And they strive to exceed your expectations at every opportunity. You can learn more by checking out CompleteCareRestoration.ca. Pretty uh, noteworthy story out of Quebec. We wanted to make sure that we mentioned this. Two former uh, Quebec junior hockey players pleaded guilty yesterday. We're talking now on Thursday, if you're hearing the show. This was on Wednesday. Uh, guilty, please, to sexually assaulting a minor a couple of years ago in June 2021 as their team celebrated a championship win. Uh, both 21 years of age, Massimo Siciliano and Nicholas Daig uh, pleading guilty to sexual assault. Uh, Daig also pleading guilty to two charges of filming and exhibiting a video of the act. These uh, two hockey players are playing for Victoriaville, the Victoriaville Tigers and the uh, QMJHL at the time of the assault. Uh, the victim, whose identity is protected by a publication ban, 17 years of age at the time, an employee at a Quebec City area hotel where the team was staying during that playoff run. The team had won the league championship. And back on June 6th of 21, they're celebrating at their hotel. And basically, uh, the survivor in this situation, the victim of this assault, had befriended uh, Nicholas Dagg while the team was living at the hotel because they had been there for about a month. And um, she had been invited to join the party. This is an agreed statement of fact, by the way. So this is the, the prosecution and the defense both signed off on this, on this characterization of the event. Uh, she had declined an invitation from team members to join the party. Uh, but later in the night, uh, Mr. Dagg messaged her and convinced her to return to the hotel to come see him in his room. Um, at the time, when she entered the room, she discovered that Mr. Siciliano was in there as well. She had been told that he was not. She had been told that Mr. Dagg was alone. And when she was there, uh, telling uh, investigators later she felt trapped, sexually assaulted by the two men for about 40 minutes. She was filmed without her knowledge. Uh, the video was released. Uh, the pair were charged in October of 2021. Their trial scheduled to begin this week. The guilty pleas coming in yesterday. Now, they'll return to court later this month on October 20th for sentencing. The prosecution says they will uh, likely be seeking jail time. They could be sentenced up to 10 years here uh, for this assault. Of course, this is all part of a bigger picture uh, of, of hockey. I mean, hockey, generally speaking, hockey culture, you might find it under the microscope. Uh, under allegations of, of sexual assault and hazing. Um, Hockey Canada, the sports governing body here in our country, has been hit with heavy criticism. As you know, the entire board uh, basically revamped um, and, uh, and moving in an entirely new direction as I think not just the governing body, but the sport itself is trying to either maintain or regain trust uh, with players and families and with uh, the members of the general public. Keep in mind as well, investigators in Halifax 
The Halifax Regional Police continue to investigate a sexual assault allegation involving members of Team Canada's contingent at the 2003 World Junior Championship in that city. You've got the 2018 team under fire as well. As much as I hate to say it, it's mm-hmm. a gut punch to the sport. It's 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 a huge black eye for the sport. And we also want to remember that these are real people mm-hmm. whose lives have been changed forever in horrific ways. Um, this is a sport right now that's got a lot of work to do, I think, to regain the trust of people, but also recognizing that the young people, the boys and girls that are playing this sport at six and seven and eight and nine years old need to start learning early on. Mm-hmm. about what it looks like. Uh, you know, we talk even, and we've spent a lot of time, it, it, it gets folded more into the conversation around parents' rights, about teaching kids in sex ed, about consent. Yeah, and I was just going to say, this goes back to our roundtable last Friday and the students who were on here talking about how, and I know things have changed. I know young hockey players, young boys, are more inclusive, are smarter, are better, more respectful men than of the old era because i know i just know i've I've met students of today they're 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 thoughtful they're they're genuinely concerned about the future and other people's feelings and stuff like that but we still have this stuff happening so i think one of the most important things and if you go back to our friday roundtable it was amazing that all three students agreed that we need consent teaching in school at all levels from the time you know i guess you would start around grade six or whatever. I'm not a teacher, but uh, through high school and even in university, like it, it seems like such a simple thing, but we were never, and yeah, go back to the show here on Friday. Yeah, we're showing this to people. This is our October 6th episode, by the way, and these are- It these seems are, like uh, such a simple thing, but- These were three uh, university students. Uh, it was Rochelle Preston from the University of Lethbridge, uh, Prabhjit Graywall from Mount Royal University in Calgary, and Chris Beasley from the University of Alberta. Uh, they were talking to us about that, that polling- um, and that was I, I had to read Eye that story stuff. twice. Yeah, I didn't think it was 13,000. If you missed that, I would encourage you to check out that episode. Again, that was our October 6th episode. 13,000 post-secondary students polled in Alberta. Um, and uh, they said uh, more than 50 percent of them said that they had experienced some form of sexual or gender based violence. 50 percent. But even like small things, just asking someone like, hey, have you had too much to drink? Would you rather just take a ride home instead of hanging out anymore? Are you tired? Like it's like simple things. You might ask someone like a family member or something, but you might not ask someone who's out at a party with loud music and stuff like that. And then the other thing (laughs) that was really telling was, you know, when we were talking about some of the the ways they were trying to improve on-campus security, like lighting up hallways better and doing stuff like that. And then the students came back and said, you know, basically not in so many words, but, you know, if if lighting up hallways is how we're trying to fix this, like people, yeah. sh- people should be allowed to walk down dimly lit hallways. People should be allowed to go talk to hockey boys in their hotel room and not expect that they're going to be assaulted and filmed without their knowledge right but it's you know you 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 get back to that culture and the culture is is that if you've been told for your entire life that you're the cat's ass if you've basically had sex handed to you on a silver platter i mean you know real talk like you know the 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 phrase puck bunnies and the whole idea and 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 people are saying here in the live chat as well they're saying it's not just hockey uh m8 kid in the live chat said this is just organized sport i don't think it's just limited Mm -hmm. to hockey Mm -hmm. but hockey's had a few big high profile black eyes recently and so people are focusing on hockey 
but you get to the point where if you, since the age of 9, 10, 11, have been told that you're probably going to you know, get a scholarship mm-hmm. or you're going to play major junior, or you may play for Team Canada one day, you could be drafted to the NHL. Um, you're getting, you know, people might find this tacky, but the fact is, you know, you, you hit out of your league, you know, your girlfriends are always hotter than you are, uh, because you're a hockey player. You're always surrounded by people that want to be around you. Uh, girls are waiting for you outside the locker room. They want to get on your team bus. You get the idea. You get to the point where you're, and I'm not at all making an excuse for anything. I'm just saying, if you don't have a counterbalance, of proper teaching, proper education, and understanding of how to treat people, an understanding of right and wrong, the an understanding of consent, yeah. the basics, yeah. then you see situations like this where a lot of people, you know, you look at these hockey players and they're kind of like almost a little bit surprised that this is a problem, mm-hmm. a little bit surprised that this is an issue. And I also, I understand that all of this stuff, there's a spectrum. Like, not every sexual assault is just this happened, this person. You know, sometimes people are drunk. Sometimes people are young. Sometimes people are in situations they shouldn't be in. But, like, when you're telling someone to come to a room and you're planning something and video, like, holy crap. And hockey already taken all these bruises, especially this week, you know, with last year all the all the professional players not wanting to involve themselves in pride and now pride tape being ba- like it's just it's been bad for uh, hockey canada ceo whole board is out like it's just it's not looking good for hockey in general the last long stretch here of a year and a half two years nick says consent talk can start early he says i'm teaching my three-year-olds that consent is important with all kinds of play and developing Everything. a foundation of consent outside of sex. It leads to easier conversations later. Nick, I love that comment. Mm-hmm. He's so right. And I think that sometimes it gets spun as well. Like, you know, everything gets supercharged and politicized and, and everything is polarizing and you're either here or here. There's no gray area. There's no nuance. And so people hear, oh, they're teaching consent in elementary school. And then people, you know, spin that as they're teaching kids how to say yes to sex when they're six years old. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're teaching kids to understand that your body is yours. You're teaching kids to understand that this is wrong. If somebody tells you this, or if somebody tries to do this to you, or if somebody puts you in this situation, if somebody tells you to not talk to your parents, if somebody asks you to keep a secret, mm-hmm. like all of these little things, yeah. it's all part of the bigger picture of helping kids understand that. So when they grow up, they have those tools. We might want to believe that everybody's going to respect their fellow humans. They're not, though. And that's like... Like, like we know how harassment happens in the workplace and stuff like that. It starts by someone, you know, touching your back and then putting their hand on your knee when you're at your desk. And so all these little things. So even that stuff nowadays, like some people don't like to shake hands or hug. And some people are huggers and handshakers. And like, it, 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 you're right. It has to start with even like, hey, would, it, would you mind if I shook your hand? Would you mind if I gave you a hug? You know, I, I'm happy to see you, et cetera. And uh, if you teach kids that early... I think by the time they're 16, 17, and not everyone's going to be perfect and everyone's going to make mistakes. And some kids are just assholes. Yeah. <laughs> but I've moved but, away from the But hug. if you do have everything you, you have can. Have you moved away from hugs? I have moved away. Well, since COVID, I kind of have. Yeah. Right? But well, I, used, I, I used to be the hug guy. There are many contributing yeah. factors. But yeah, I think you used not to. Anymore. People used to just, not everybody, but a lot of people, myself included, mm-hmm. used to just kind of like hug. And mm-hmm. then now looking back on it, it's kind of like, nah, it's, it's people's personal space. Yeah. You know, and, a lot of people uh, don't and, like it. and I actually I get a little shot of uh, not adrenaline, but I get a little shot of like something good, a little shot of like we did something right when I go to shake someone's hand. 
and they say, we're going to hug. And I go, nice. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I just, I don't know. It's just a little thing. These are just mm-hmm. little steps. And I don't think that you want everybody walking around paranoid and scared all the time. No. But also, we've got to swing back. We, you know, we, we've realized that society got to a point where we weren't hearing people that had reservations about things. Mm-hmm. We weren't hearing from people that had trauma. We weren't hearing from people that weren't comfortable. Well, that's another thing I was going to say is a lot of people have things that, like they, they don't want to be touched for reasons that you may not know. And they may, may not want to disclose it either. They like it may not just be like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling sick or I have the sniffles or, yeah. you know, it may be something that, that is none of your business. So I just avoid it now. You know, I'll reach out my hand for a handshake. If they don't want to, it's usually a pound. A lot of pounding going on these days. A lot the of fist, fist bumps. Pounding, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I like this from Sharon who says, like, consent can be taught anywhere in any context. She says, I'm, I'm teaching consent with my grandson when it comes to the dog. Like, he wants to love up on her and pet her and all the time. And, like, she's not always into it. And I'm just teaching him, like, no means no, right? Uh, other people are saying stronger consequences are needed. Uh, you know, people are talking about asking, like, here, Cactus says, I'm always for sure a hugger, but always asking is a must. And he says, you got to teach your toddlers that even relatives can be predators. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, you talk to anybody, by the way, we heard from people that work in the sexual assault space, recovery support workers, uh, about an email that we read yesterday on the show about false accusations from a, an audience member named Kyle. I uh, wanted to let you know we will follow up on that. Um, that was something that lit a fire under a few people for understandable reasons. Um, and, and those people, advocates and people that work in the space will tell you, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but it's something like, I hate to cite a statistic on the show without having it in front of me, but I think it's like 90% of sexual assaults. The, the, the victim is known uh, to the perpetrator, yeah, the perpetrator you know. is known to the yeah. victim. In 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 the in the vast majority of cases, yeah. the person knows their attacker, uh, and so MA's on to something there, saying you got to teach your kids about relatives. Um, I I do think like obviously people find their own way to do that and mm-hmm. and to do it in the proper way, um, but of course, I mean I don't think that we want our kids walking around naive no just because it's easier for them to live in this bubble where they're never having to you know encounter anything that challenges them or that that potentially makes things uncomfortable for a parent momentarily Mm -hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day as a parent wouldn't you want to feel like you did what you had to do to make sure that your child was properly equipped and prepared not just to protect themselves not Mm -hmm. just to keep them safe but also to ensure that they don't harm others 100 percent. you know i think that that's so important i like how you said that because there is often this thought or feeling that like you know when you say rape people often think of like a dark dingy alley or like a parking garage where like a guy jumps on a woman and drags her into a staircase or something like that but when like we know now today that sexual assault like you said the majority of the time it happens in ways that are subtle and it happens with people you know and probably trust yeah tara lynn says i'm a hugger but i ask for you're, you're bringing up hugging man has like lit the live chat on i'm serious it's good <laughs> well it's because uh, i used says, to hug everyone yeah she says i'm a hugger but i ask first and there are people i don't want to hug so i appreciate being asked as well i think that that's a, a great comment um yeah i mean and, and people are also pointing out by the way this is a follow-up on that story we did talk about this on our friday roundtable because we did have the one guest that the student rep out of the university of lethbridge at that time this news was just breaking and there's an update to the story of the lethbridge high school football players in the alleged sexual assault of a teammate they've now been charged 
Uh, Lethbridge police have laid charges for teenagers uh, in relation to an alleged sexual assault in the locker room of that Lethbridge high school. Um, This was on uh, October 3rd uh, that police say a teenage male was forcibly confined and sexually assaulted in the locker room after school hours on October 3rd. Um, The four teens now facing charges, uh, sexual assault with a weapon, assault with a weapon, and forcible confinement. Um, They'll appear in court later this month on October 25th. Their names are not being released under the Youth Criminal Justice Act. These are horrific. What's going on? They're horrific situations. I mean, number one, number one, let's be clear, for the survivor, uh, for the victim of this assault, number one, their life uh, and, and the, the implications of this and the consequences of this, uh, the impact on their life is, is number one, uh, what needs to be our focus. And that's what the courts will certainly focus on, assuming that, you know, I mean, these, these, these players, these football players will have their day in court, uh, mm-hmm. whether or not they plead guilty, we'll see uh, whether or not they stand trial and we'll see what sentencing looks like. Um, there will be a victim impact statement, I'm sure. Um, and, and we hope that the court will consider that, though I don't know how many of you have confidence in the justice system, especially considering what Professor Ben Perrin talked to us about on yesterday's show. But also, these four young players, I mean, you do the crime, you do the time. I'm not saying that they shouldn't or won't, or but I'm just saying, you're 17 years old, you're 16 or 17, and now you're facing... Th- I mean, these, aside from homicide, mm-hmm. aside from murder... Sexual assault charges are about as serious as it gets. Mm-hmm. Like your life is ruined for sure. You know, and, and, and that's a choice that you made. That's something that you did. Uh, we're all dumb. I mean, I've shared on the show before. I was a young offender. Now, what I did was more stupid. It was property damage. And when I was 16 years old and, and I did my time, I paid my penance. I did my community service. I paid the fine. I paid restitution as they called it. So I do part of me. Uh, realizes that young people can make horrific mistakes. It does feel like apples and oranges, talking about property damage uh, versus sexual assault. <laughs> I think those are two different circumstances. But still, you've got, what, 16, 17-year-olds now that are realizing for the first time maybe ever the consequences of their actions and the implications that that will have literally on the rest of their lives. Yeah, it's crazy. And I don't want to make excuses for them, but if that was me and I was that young, I might look to my parents and say like, hey, you never taught me anything about this stuff. All you did was say, go to practice, you know, get good grades. You, you never told me anything about that. And yeah, they're almost men. Let's be honest. They're 17 years old. So th- it's not an excuse, but like it's another reason you need to teach people consent. This is a good comment. Kathy says, my daughter is teaching her two-year-old that if a relative says, come on over here and give me a kiss, that she, that the uh, child does not have to. She is encouraging him to say no if he doesn't want to. Yeah. I like that as well. Tracy watched that roundtable last Friday, said it was incredible, said the youth were outstanding. You could tell how passionate they are, and they demonstrated their leadership skills in space. So I was like... Tracy, I agree. I was was like... like, I'm not saying when we were young we were stupid or anything, but they were like they're very emotionally intelligent and just very yeah. thoughtful yeah. these days. I, all the all the kids are. I sent them a note after like we had a, a group email as we were planning for the roundtable, everything. I sent them a note later and I said, I barely know the three of you, but I'm proud of you. Yeah. I said you, I said, you <laughs> I were like blown away. you were great on that round table. I like this comment from Rob as well. Rob says alcohol use and alcohol abuse should also be part of the conversation when we're talking about sexual assault. Rob, you're absolutely one hundred percent correct. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we want to get to uh, some of your responses. We, we did talk about the NHL banning pride tape uh, yesterday. We tweeted about it. We had a bunch of different responses, and so I want to get to those in just a second. But first, we'll let you know that these conversations are happening with the support of sponsors like the family-owned team at Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. Uh, They've got a couple of things going on through the month of October that we want to tell you about. You know that we feed our dogs, Moses and Monroe, quality raw food from Grand Dog Essentials. And we have for years because we've seen the benefits. Well, through the month of October, you can knock 16 bucks off each box of their chicken veggie dog food blend using the discount code October 2023. 16 bucks off October 2023 is the discount code. Uh, this is whole chicken sourced from Alberta farmers, human grade facilities, but they keep the meat and the bone and the organs and everything all ground up in there, which means that your pups are getting all the nutrition they need. Plus they add the veggies in there for, for fiber and for gut and digestive health. It's a full meal deal for your pups. And you can also find the new four leaf Rover bundle. I love this. You go to the shop now link And you can find four-leaf Rover bundles at granddog.ca, all kinds of curated bundles. No matter what your pup is dealing with, whether it's allergies or maybe they need some joint support like Moses, our boxer. Maybe they need healthier skin or immunity support. Maybe it's just a senior dog dealing with the realities of life. You can find those all on sale right now on special, delivered to your door in Calgary, Edmonton, and Central Alberta. Don't forget the promo code REALTALK takes 10% off your first order at granddog.ca. At Friesen Brothers, Alberta grown and Alberta owned for coming up on 70 years, if you can believe it. They want to let you know about their Oktoberfest dinner that's coming up. It's October 21st and 22nd. Check out the website here. I'm showing you, you can click right on it at Friesen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N, the October Feast goes October 21st and 22nd from 4 to 8 p.m. at the Friesen Brothers locations. You can find out which locations they're going to be. I'll just tell you. Edmonton, Stony Plain, Hinton Hill, Peace River, Fort Saskatchewan, and Drum Heller. Shout out to Drum Heller. Drum Heller is an underrated tourist destination in Alberta. The only thing I'm thinking is that you can get beer, you can get beer in Friesen Bros. Like you can literally <laughs> go up to the taps, get a beer, and then you get I'm guessing the sausage and everything, it's going to be a party. Man, Alberta beef roulade and chicken fricassee, German potato dumplings, sauerkraut, German rice, sourdough buns, the full salad bar, everything. It's just $25 per person at all of their fresh market stores. So that's not all 16 locations, but all the fresh market stores, October 21st, 22nd from 4 to 8 p.m. Details on their website. If you're thinking about revamping your outdoor space, maybe next spring, you'd love to have shovels in the ground. So next summer, maybe it's your big anniversary coming up. Maybe it'll be a retirement party or a 40th birthday. Who knows if your backyard is going to host guests. Eden Landscaping wants to get you ready for that. You can check them out online at landscapeedmonton.ca. If you check out their portfolio, you'll be able to see some of the work that they've done for clients uh, across the Edmonton region, the Metro Edmonton region, all different kinds of installations from stunning stonework, natural beauty, maybe even ultra modern displays. And of course, you can get the ball rolling by contacting them on their website. Again, that's landscapeedmonton.ca. You've got ideas. They can tell you how to bring that outdoor space to life. And then as a full service contractor, they'll make it happen. That's Eden Landscaping at landscapeedmonton.ca. When are we going to see your backyard? Yeah, it's coming up, buddy. Oh they just finished gosh, it. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to spend the... Oh, wait. Snow's coming. Yeah, but no, as you're going to see, because our reveal is going to be a fall reveal. 
right? Mm. Uh, so like, you know, some of the trees are losing their leaves and things like that, but we've designed it in a way, and you'll see. So it's got like the fire pit. It's got a stone patio. Oh, you got the so whole. For us, it doesn't matter if it's fall winter. or winter yeah. or spring or summer. We're yeah. going to be able to entertain back there and enjoy that backyard for nice. all four seasons, which is what we told them about. Amazing. You know, because I mean, even like one little thing, like here's one little thing for us is like, we have dogs. Anybody with dogs knows you let a dog out into a backyard in spring. It's a total mess. Mm-hmm. And then they come in your house. It's a total mess. We were like, can we find a way to to eliminate that from our list of concerns? And the design they came up with, I was like, you guys know what you're doing. I like it. So we're pretty happy about it. Well, I'm it. not going to lie. You're going to see me just slowly driving by your house, you know, we have Fridays big, we at have around big high 1030. fences and cameras. Oh, just, uh, yeah, yeah. See what you guys are doing. I'll see you on the camera and ask what you're doing and you can let me know. I was just checking out the Eden landscape. Oh, there's game on. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Were you surprised uh, that nobody was rocking pride tape and warmups last night? So I National watched Hockey League specifically games for it. I, I was, was wondering like, if anybody's going to do it. You know, I know it's not going to happen, but I was like, man, if if someone just did it, it would be amazing. And the way people were talking, a lot of the prominent athletes, a lot of the captains, a lot of the players saying, hey, like basically everyone said this is a poor decision. Connor McDavid basically saying he wants it reversed and he hopes in the future it will be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, nothing. And then a horrible. What they Oilers lost like eight one. Oh this yeah. is how I felt last night watching the game. The Oilers, go, <laughs> you're showing everybody the Ben, ben Affleck, Affleck outside smoking, smoking the cigarette. That's like one of the most famous photos of all time. Um, yeah, uh, the the Oilers just thumped by the Vancouver Canucks last night. Yeah, that was tough. But uh, you know, and I didn't necessarily expect any. Uh, NHL player to rock pride tape um, and if you're wondering what we're talking about just to bring you up to speed our yesterday's episode we get into it you can check it out um, if you like that'll be the October 11th episode of Real Talk but Gary Bettman in the National Hockey League banning the use of pride tape in warm-ups so they're going an extra step uh, you know it used to be uh, that NHL teams would wear pride sweaters in warm-ups or military support sweaters or breast cancer sweaters. You, you know what I'm talking about, everybody. Uh, but the NHL has said not only will those sweaters not happen anymore because a few homophobes basically got upset about it, James Reimer, the Stahl brothers, Ivan Provorov, and mm. a few others, um, who I think I'm just going to keep saying their names as long as we keep talking about this. Um, the, the NHL didn't want those few guys to get uncomfortable, and so instead they took a league with more than 700 players and outlawed the whole practice. Um, but now they're saying that no pride tape either. I mean, the NHL is taking actually a big step back. I don't know if you saw Brian Burke yesterday. Great post. Uh, had a post about this, basically calling this a huge step back for the National Hockey League. This is one of the more respected voices in the league. Brian Burke is serious. I mean, he's certainly, um, and his son Brendan, um, you know, who, who's now deceased, uh, Brian has done, committed a lot of his life's work in memory of his son Brendan, who is a team manager, a hockey team manager, uh, who also happened to be gay so we tweeted about this yesterday i said so much uh, for hockey is for everyone you know i say the nhl bans pride tape because a handful of big tough hockey players felt the tiniest bit uncomfortable in warm-ups i said good on Connor mcdavid and every other player speaking out in support of inclusivity take the fine and rock the tape um and so i wondered yesterday would anybody rock pride tape in their first game of the season mm-hmm. i'm not surprised they didn't number one because i think any athlete would tell you i think any person would tell you that that would serve to be an enormous distraction on game one hundred percent of their team's schedule so that yeah. doesn't seem to me to be like the proper play yeah like yesterday someone had also said well what about goalie mass maybe somebody could put a pride flag on the side of their goalie mass but like 
hockey players are so in their head. If you do something to draw attention away, and like you were saying, the goalies used to hate, or they they would hate if you wore pride tape during a game. Any little thing would have been. But hey, in a, in a month or so, a few weeks in. Uh, well, the others are still going to have a pride night, and I would imagine that some that of the players will still wear pride tape on their, you know, still wrap their stick blades with pride tape for that warm up. We'll see. Um, we had some responses here. I thought I'd read them. Uh, always want you to feel like if you're responding to our content, to our posts, that there's a chance you'll hear your name on the show. Meg says, you know, basically says hockey fans saying this is shameful. The league is openly discriminating against gay people. And then she says, well, also hockey fans, I couldn't possibly give up watching my favorite team play or supporting the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get where Meg's coming from, but but I'll also say I'm not going to boycott the National Hockey League. I'm not going to stop watching hockey, the sport I love because of a disappointing decision, but I do believe that we need to push the league, push our favorite sport or a sport we love, uh, as is the case with anything. Whether you're, Maybe you're a music fan and there's a band you love. Maybe uh, you're a fan of, of cuisine and there's a restaurant you love that has a policy that whatever it is, that we push them to be better, mm-hmm. that we, 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 we play a prominent role in that conversation and push them to be better. Um, some folks are saying, well, apparently pride tape is flying off the shelves. Uh, there was an awesome post yesterday that I was happy to share. I saw that in, in light of the NHL's decision here, you, you keep in mind that pride tape, this was a, created in Edmonton. Uh, this is something that this city award. can like, and should is... be very proud of. Uh, but there's an organization called Ever Active Schools, and you can find them on Twitter at EverActiveAB. Uh, they say in, the, in response to the surprising, disappointing, and backward decision of the NHL, to ban pride tape we've purchased 36 rolls um so what is that i think it's five that's like 150 160 uh, actual rolls of tape because the big rolls uh anyway i'm getting in the weeds uh say we'll give them out to schools across alberta that are running an nhl street program diversity equality and inclusion matters in schools and arenas in all schools and arenas so i thought that was great from ever active schools but yeah more of the comments here i, I mean you know people are saying christian says pride tape was so difficult to deal with he's being sarcastic he says it made me think of acceptance and love and inclusion and skittles he says i love pride tape in all seriousness <laughs> brian says it's the trump influence on the nhl a lot of republican owners are scared they might lose their white fan base especially in florida tampa dallas arizona and carolina um you know uh, richard says that apparently players can use whatever color tape they want so he's encouraging other players to do that. Canadian Chipper says to me, well, I guess having a different opinion isn't okay unless the differing opinion is one you support. Says everyone has differing opinions. It's not about that. It's just like imagine being the Stahl brothers or James Reimer or one of these guys who made a big stink and being them now because I don't think they ever thought it would get this far. Like are you – those guys have kids. Like are they going to look at their kids in ten years and be like, yeah, like having beers, like all of them together, be like, yeah, we did something good. Like, do they honestly probably. think this is a good thing? Yeah, probably taking a step back, putting probably. people into sh- into the shadows, into the corners, like because religiously, I just Johnny, don't know how someone could feel like this. This they did a good thing, but they were they were they were citing their religion, like Ivan Provorov, Russian Orthodox, and 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 there are religions that are like straight up. They're they're not cool mm-hmm. with the, the you, you, and the, the clues are in the words right like with the lifestyle with the choice they don't believe these are people mm-hmm. they don't believe that people are born this way they don't believe that this is who people are they believe it's a lifestyle choice they believe that straight people wake up one day and decide to start having gay sex because it's a lifestyle they want to lead and they believe or it's they're... a sinful and wrong lifestyle That's based horrible. on their religion so they yeah. do believe. 
they're, they're taking a stand. They do believe that they're in the right, right? I mean, I've, you know, I've been around everybody, anybody who has friends that are deep into, you know, conservative religion. I'm not talking about the political conservative. I'm talking about people that are, you know, like orthodox religion. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't have to explain it. Probably every one of us has at least one friend that if all of their views on this were made public, you know they would be very unpopular, right? And I think that's the case with some of these hockey players. I just, th- I just think in the future, and it might be when we're dead and gone, Ryan, but when, when everyone's just finally like, you know, when we look back in 50 or 100 years and are like, remember when we used to like tell people like who to, who to sleep with and who to marry and who to love and what to wear and what to call themselves? And, you know, like years from now, we're just going to be like, how fucking stupid was this that we were arguing over, like just showing some support for people who today we we don't even talk about it. It's just whatever. It's just you know. It's just yeah. humankind. I I just I don't get it at all. And Jen, I, I I don't think those guys as fathers should feel proud that they've pushed the league to do this. Yeah. Tony says I don't think boycotting should be the first response. Call or write the organization. Express your disappointment. If nothing changes, then make your decision. Uh, Tony says dollars always make a difference, uh, and that is true. That is true. Uh, Alberta Girl says, I boycotted the NHL in the 1980s after growing up in an Oilers family. I don't believe that hockey players should be millionaires when people live on the streets just a block away from Ice District. Yeah, maybe a different issue. Uh, I understand it. That's That, to me, is more just a market reality. But, man, salaries are on the rise. They're crazy. See, like, Rasmus <laughs> like, Dahlin. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the best yeah. young. I know this and isn't a hockey show, but he's yeah. this, you know one of the best young defensemen in the game mm-hmm. in the Buffalo Sabres. He's just signed it. What is he, 22, 23 years old? Just signed an $11 million annual contract. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, unbelievable. But compared to, like, now. American sports. It's, st- it's still low. The NBA, like, they're making like 35, baseball 40 million. Baseball is crazy. I'm like, these chubby dudes <laughs> oh, who get up and whack a ball, you know, five times a game. I, I can't believe the amount of money they pay some of these people. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Maddie says hockey is still for everyone. I don't know, Maddie. I don't think that the league is sending that message. Funky Towel says hockey is for fun and not for politics. Uh, I don't think that pride is politics yeah, is pride uh, a downer like is pride a party pooper? pride can be like, political it's, f- it's fun but I, I i know gay conservatives uh, i know gay liberals so i don't think that it's politics mark says use pride tape if you want to me it's no big deal and it's totally fine the problem is those that won't participate get crucified for having different views and that's not right either mark says until one can be corrected we can't have the other you can let us know what you think about this. What were you about to say? I just, uh, I'll put up the talk thing. Talk to us, people. Uh, but, like, I, I, just, I, I don't get why we treat, you know, LGBTQ issues like they're separate from if someone came out and didn't represent on Indigenous Night or on Black History Month, uh, a night, you know, in Chicago, you know, celebrating Black History Month. Nobody would say that. They'd be like, why aren't you celebrating black history? Why aren't you? You know, but every time it has to do with LGBTQ issues, it's like this gray area where we're like, well, you don't have to. You mm. don't. Nobody's forcing anyone. Like, you should just be, you should be welcoming of everyone. We talk about we're false. Ask, we're not asking you to paint your house in rainbow colors. We're asking you to put on a shirt for 15 minutes. Like, I heard actually if he gets reelected, Justin Trudeau is going to force everybody in Alberta to paint their house in pride colors. <laughs> Did you like that? Um, <laughs> you're talking about false equivalencies. I had a guy tweet me yesterday say, uh, so you want everybody wrapping their stick in pride tape, which I didn't say that. He goes, what if a player wanted to wrap their 
stick with tape of the Confederate flag. And I'm sitting there going, are you comparing pride? Are you comparing I don't know what people. being gay and slavery? <laughs> are you comparing the Civil War yeah. to yeah, I didn't I didn't quite understand that, but well, people you know. always like to they, they they like to make it seem like the LGBTQ movement is some sort of, you know, you know, with us or against us, we hate you. It's not like that at all. Like most people just want to feel like they fit in. Yeah. It's like when you're a kid and you're awkward and like you want to be hanging with the cool people or what you just want to feel like you belong. And that's all it's really about. And these people who keep, like you said, force people to take steps back. It just like, there's one more kid who's sitting there watching a hockey game. Who's like, Man, I like I like dudes, or, or 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 one girl who's sitting out there and being like, you know, I kind of I kind of I'm attracted to girls. Who's not going to say a thing? Who's going to bottle that up, put it down inside them? It's going to turn into some horrible issue in their self-loathing. lives. Self-loathing. Yeah, it's sometimes there's a peace though <laughs> that comes with stepping away from trying to convince everybody of something as well, like yesterday. With the Confederate flag comment. <laughs> I just decided to leave it. Because if somebody believes that that is a valid comparison, if somebody thinks that that's a gotcha tweet or that they pin me into a corner with that comparison, we don't have a lot to talk about. And Again, that's okay they, think, too. they think it's an opinion, right? Yeah. They, think it's, they think it's, it's a, a lifestyle. It's, it's an opinion. opinion. It's a choice. It's not. This is how people are born. Like nobody, I, I keep seeing people saying, oh, sometimes they're groomed. Sometimes they hang out with the wrong. Like that's not what happens. As a straight person, think to yourself right now. Do you think you could wake up one day, go to a couple parties, and then all of a sudden feel gay? Like, no, but see here, it's, again, it's, I, I think that what you're doing is trying to talk common sense to people that don't have common sense. And, I'm and not, so I'm not going to like, I don't sit like if, if somebody still in 2023 thinks that it's a choice, mm -hmm. if somebody still thinks it's a lifestyle, it's like, and, and maybe people will disagree with me here. Maybe I'll disagree with myself when I listen to this back, but I'm not going to expend a lot of emotional energy trying to convince people that are intentionally obtuse when it comes to certain subject matter, I'm not going to expend a lot of my emotional energy on mm -hmm. that person. I'm not going to fight those battles. I don't have the emotional or intellectual bandwidth. You know, they always say, like, never wrestle with pigs mm -hmm. because the pig's going to love it and you're going to end up covered in mud. <laughs> and shit. And like... so, yeah, I think they say shit. <laughs> so like... I'm not going to be the one wrestling with pigs and someone's going to say now that I'm comparing people to pigs and all this, no. that, and the other, but I just get to the point where it, 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 it's to the, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, there's a uh, cactus sheriff says, by the way, he's voting for Trudeau based on this new mandate that everyone in Alberta has got to paint their house <laughs> and try. Do it. So, but you know what? Go. I understand also that people are kind of fluid and some people are bi. They like, they like girls. They like guys. Some people are non-binary. They like, like, but for me as a person, I've never been attracted to men. So for me to put myself in a gay person's shoes and, and, and for someone to tell, like if someone was to tell me that the way I feel is because you know, you don't have the to, way I grew up or Johnny, something. I'd be like, what are you talking about? This is how to, I've always been. This is how I've always felt. Like, you don't have to understand as a guy what it's like to be attracted to guys to, to, to understand that everybody deserves respect. 
It has nothing to do with attraction. It has nothing to do with sex. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with the fact that we have inherent human value and that everybody deserves to be treated with respect. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what this all comes down to. Hockey is for everyone. Everyone deserves respect. And that's what the campaign's all about. Let us know what you think. Talk at RyanJesperson.com. We'll obviously keep this conversation going. We'll wait to see who the first NHLer is that takes the fine. I mean, I dare the NHL to fine anybody for doing this. But we'll see what happens. I don't expect it to be on a random game night. I don't expect it to be anytime soon. But certainly on Pride Night, I expect to see some Edmonton Oilers in particular rocking Pride tape on their sticks. Coming up on Friday's Real Talk, that's tomorrow... We're going to change the pace a little bit. We know that everything's heavy going on right now. Some of you are going, well, why aren't you talking about Israel and Hamas right now? Why aren't you talking about what's going on in the Middle East? Obviously, that's something that's going to be our focus for a while. We understand that there are other issues. Yesterday, talking to Professor Ben Perrin about Canada's broken criminal justice system. We understand the economy is down for a lot of people. We understand there's stress everywhere. So tomorrow, we're going to lighten things up. We're going to have some fun. We're going to take three of the biggest movers and shakers in Alberta's craft beer industry, and we're going to welcome them to our Real Talk Roundtable for an in-person hour that you won't want to miss. We'll see you then. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, executive producer Josh Dunford, Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human resources, Lena Shepard. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.